to allow you to speak to us. Father, we are sorry when we close our ears and close our hearts to you. So by your Holy Spirit now, Lord, may you bring the light and truth of Jesus Christ and of heaven itself into the darkness of our lives, that we might be changed forever by your presence. Amen. Amen. The Christian has a wonderful and glorious hope of heaven. We all do. Because of what Jesus has done for us, heaven is secure. And the Bible tells us that we're to get through all the difficult times in this life by fixing our eyes in front of us at the glories to come in the heavenly realms when we're surrounded by the angels, Jesus, in the wonderful new creation world of heaven. But what about now? What about today? <laughs> that is ahead of us, isn't it? And it does keep us going. I remember uh, many of you, many of us can't go abroad at the moment, can we? So some of us, when we've taken a little holiday break, we've sort of tried to find somewhere in the UK to get to. Claire and I have just come from a, back from a little break. And uh, you pack up your car, don't you? And you uh, put all the things that you need in that car. And you strap the kids in if you've got kids. And you know that, all right, it's going to be three to six hours to get there, depending on the Dartford Tunnel. We've got snacks, <laughs> we planned our stops, it might be hellish, <laughs> but we've got a wonderful destination ahead of us. That will get us there. Otherwise, why on earth would you sit in a car <laughs> with all the pain and agony of screaming uh, family members in your ears, etc.? That's a bit like the glories of heaven ahead of us. We can get through certain things because of the hope of heaven ahead. But, like I said, what about now, though? Is that it then? Is it just pain and suffering and trouble and heartache and hopefully one day it'll all be nice when we all get to heaven? What about today? Can we have glimpses of heaven in our mundane, everyday, day-to-day -day lives now? I think the answer is yes. We certainly can. I googled um, a little slice of heaven. That's what I put into my Google search. A little slice of heaven. Can you guess what the first uh, at least 20 uh, hits were? A little slice of heaven. Bakeries. <laughs> Endless amounts of bakeries came up. So I said, all right, fair enough. That is a little slice of heaven, to be honest, if you're into your baking uh, goods. Back at church, right? And churches, half a church is about baking, I tell you. Uh, so I thought, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll try something different. I'll try uh, heaven on earth. And I kid you not, the first hit um, was a beauty salon in Preston. <laughs> so uh, if you want to know where heaven on earth is, it's in Preston, apparently. Um, the second hit was a travel agent in Reading. So that's another place you could try if you want a bit of heaven on earth. And the third hit, guess this, this was great. This was a parenting book on how to manage your children. <laughs> Which I thought was excellent, because that is, if you can get that right, heaven on earth. Okay. King Solomon. He builds a little slice of heaven on earth. The temple. The temple. 
The temple, the idea of it, will be in the middle of this community, in the middle of this nation, in the middle of this dark world, there would be a slice of heaven, of real blessing and presence of the Lord. The temple was a glorious building. It was actually not too dissimilar to the size of the building we're in now, uh, but it had a bit more bling to it than ours. Uh, lots of gold, lots of lavish furnishings, lots of great artwork at the very end up there. If you can imagine that table up there was actually the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant. In front of it, or by the side of it, were two 15-foot-high statues of golden angels with its wings wrapped around. Glorious vision, glorious sight. They spent tons of money on that building. Solomon had tens of thousands of people work on the building alone. And it was one of the wonders of the ancient world. Do you remember the Queen of Sheba? When she comes to visit Solomon, she's like, dude, I've seen your palace, I've seen your temple, he's the Lord. <laughs> Heaven on earth. And more than that, it's not just about how wonderful that temple was. Because we saw in verse 10, didn't we? Check out verse 10. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You couldn't even get in the building because the presence of the Lord was so manifest that you would open the front doors and be overwhelmed by the glory of the presence of the Lord. So even with all that gold and bling and statues and artwork and trees and all the wonderful things in there, that was nothing compared to the glory that filled that place because of the Lord's presence. Now, I don't know about you, but if there was a place like that in Southend, <laughs> I'd be visiting there very regularly. Wouldn't you? A glory cloud of the Lord's presence. How awesome. A little slice of heaven on earth. Now, the temple wasn't just great to look at, and wow, isn't that awesome? There were some amazing blessings in having the temple built right at the center of the people of God. All the way through, and we didn't read it all, but all the way through Solomon's prayer of dedication, there's a constant refrain, and it's this. O oh Lord, hear from heaven our prayer. Hear from heaven. Let me just give you an example of that. Verse 13, we did read this one. Hear the supplication of your servant and your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Or verse 32, then hear from heaven and act. Or verse 34, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your people. Verse 36, it happens again. Then hear from heaven and forgive. Verse 39, 43, 45, 49, all the way through this prayer, Solomon is saying, when anyone ever prays towards your temple or near your temple, then Lord, you hear from heaven and answer. That was a guarantee. 
that if you came close to that temple and brought your prayers and supplications, the Lord would hear from heaven. It was a bit like uh, this microphone in front of me. If I stand here, you can hear me quite well, yeah? If I was to, though, start to walk a bit further away, you might not hear me so well. There's a range on this microphone, isn't there? And if I just kept going, actually, I've got this one here, so the illustration's not, <laughs> not going to work perfectly because you'll probably still hear me. But you can picture it, though. The further away you are from this, the harder it is to hear. That temple acted like this kind of microphone for the Lord in heaven, the Father in heaven, that if you came and prayed, the Lord would hear you. The Father in heaven would hear you. Uh, and even if you ended up, it had quite a range, the temple, because uh, the Lord says in verses 41 to 43, that if a foreign, uh, no, sorry, verse 44, that when your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord towards the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer. So it could be that the army have gone off to war in some foreign land, the Lord says, okay, the range on that temple can reach wherever you are. If you just turn towards it. So wherever you are, if you're turning towards the temple, the Lord would hear. In other words, if you're keeping the temple and God's presence at the center of your focus in life, no matter where you are, the Lord would hear and answer you from heaven. Do you see that? even turning towards, even if it was hundreds of miles away, you're like, I know, I know he's over there. And if I turn to him, even though I can't see the temple, I know he hears my prayer because I'm turning towards him and his presence. Even foreigners, it says that we read that bit, didn't it? Verse 41, as, as for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. So even foreigners around the world will hear of how awesome this place is that the Lord hears and they will journey from far to come close to the presence of God in the temple. So the Lord would hear from heaven because of the temple and his presence there. And what are the main things that he does in this chapter? Well, if there's a constant refrain of hear from heaven and the other refrain from it is there's two things really. Forgive and act. Those are the two things that come up time and time again in this chapter. Verse 30, we've read that one. Hear the supplication of your servant and your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. Verse 32, then hear from heaven and act. And that comes constantly through this whole chapter if you go and read it. Hear and forgive, hear and act. What are the sorts of things that uh, the Lord needs to forgive and act upon? Well, it comes up again throughout this. Verse 31 and 32 talk about God acting to bring justice. He would hear the prayer of the innocent, perhaps, 
and he would act to defend them. Verse 33 to 34, when you're threatened by enemies, the Lord says, turn to me and I will forgive and deliver you. Verse 35 to 36, when calamity has befallen you, when uh, there's drought or famine, pray towards the temple, the Lord will forgive and act. And the same 37 to 40, if there's disease or sickness, or 41 or 43, the foreigner who needs help. Verse 44 to 45, when you face dangers, Pray towards the temple and he will forgive and act. And then finally, verse 46 to 51, if you find yourself in captivity. Now for the Old Testament people, that was literally captivity maybe in a foreign land. But for us today, that might be captivity of all sorts. How many of us sometimes feel trapped in life, far from the Lord, Far from God's people, far from health, far from place of safety and goodness, trapped in captivity. Then the Lord says, turn to the temple and pray. At the heart then of the life of Israel was this slice of heaven on earth, the temple. And the outworking of that slice, that small glimpse of heaven on earth, the outworking of that, the life that it produces for the people of God is forgiveness and deliverance. Forgiveness and deliverance. See, you might think, what would heaven on earth look like for me? Well, it would look, there would definitely be a swimming pool involved. There would definitely be a nice beach. There would definitely be a full fridge full of all the things I like. There would definitely be friends around and no work and all these things. That's what you might picture heaven on earth to be like. But heaven on earth for the Israelites looked like forgiveness and deliverance from all those things. Forgiveness and deliverance. I find that quite surprising. Because in the reality, the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. We might think we know what we need and we pray for all those things we think we need. But the Lord knows the two most important things we need are forgiveness and deliverance. We make mistakes and we get ourselves caught in traps. That's what the Lord sees when he sees his people. And so when I now repicture heaven in my mind now, it's not just about the angels and the harps. <laughs> it's about being in a place where there's true freedom from guilt and burdens. Where there's a place where everyone actually shows grace to one another. Where people are safe to be around. Where the Lord, no one holds anything against you. You know, well, I know this about you. And I've still got this list of grievances against you. And I'm still not happy about this and what you've done and this. No. There's grace. And there's no more that thing in life where you're like, I just can't seem to change this thing in my life. I just go round and round the same unhelpful patterns. Caught in the same traps of anxiety or worry 
or money problems or depression or anger or impatience, constantly cap uh, captured by these things. No, heaven's a place where those things are set free and I learn to live a new life. See, church, if we're going to be this glimpse of heaven on earth or have that life at the center of us, forgiveness and deliverance. See, it's not that we're all perfect, is it? We wouldn't need forgiveness then. See, things are going to go wrong in our lives and in church life, but forgiveness needs to be at the centre, says the Lord. And so does deliverance. Why? Why was it that the temple could produce such wonderful glimpse of heaven on earth. What was it about the temple? Just look for a moment for me at verse 29. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there my name shall be there the reason all this blessing and heavenly a taste of a heavenly life was existed in that temple is because the lord said that my name shall be there my name will dwell there what is this name what is this name or more importantly the question is who is this name? Who is it? Who is this presence of the Lord that bears the name of the Lord? Who is it? Who is it that because this name dwells there, God hears our prayers and acts? The Father hears our prayers and he acts from heaven because of the presence of the Lord, the name is in your midst. John 17, verse 11 to 12, Jesus says this. Holy Father, protect them, protect my disciples, by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. This glimpse of heaven on earth isn't about gold furnishings and wealth and riches and all that. It's about the name of the Lord being present at the centre of the people of God. And that name is none less than the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, dwelling amidst the people. And he's like this microphone, isn't he? That if you draw close to him, God hears. God the Father hears our prayers and answers because of Jesus. Have you ever wondered why every prayer that we normally say at the very end is, in the name of Jesus, amen? Because it's his name, his presence, that gives us this access to heaven, 
heaven on earth in Jesus Christ. Everywhere Jesus went, he would always say the kingdom of God has drawn near. Even if you're far away from him, like the temple, even if you're hundreds of miles away from him, and even it's enough to just turn towards where you think Jesus is, Jesus, I feel far from you, but I'm turning towards you now. Hear my prayer. And God the Father says, I hear you because of the the name of my son, Jesus. See, heaven on earth is not about your circumstances. You might be in captivity. You might be in trouble. You might be in danger. You might be a foreigner in a foreign land, whatever. Heaven on earth is not about your circumstances. It is about whether or not you are close to Jesus. Jesus is heaven. To even gaze upon his face, to know his forgiveness, his acceptance, to know that he will act on your behalf, to know that he's not accusing you of wrong, to know that he would die for you, and to know that even if you destroyed that temple, he would rebuild it in three days. Solomon's temple eventually did get destroyed, didn't it? But Jesus says, you can't get rid of me. I'm going to be here for you, for you forever, whenever you need me. Turn to me and get a glimpse of heaven, even today. So let us this morning put Jesus at the centre of our church life and our own personal lives, but especially together as God's people. And may the life of Jesus, his forgiveness and his deliverance, start to manifest itself at St Michael's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, each of us in our own hearts and minds now, whether we feel close to Jesus or far away from Jesus, let us now turn with the eyes of faith towards him. To even glance in his direction is to taste a small slice of heaven, is to experience a ray of sunshine that bursts from through the clouds upon us in this dark world. And when we do, Lord Jesus, turn to you, then Holy Father, in heaven itself, would you hear our prayer, forgive and act. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.